episode 127 of Amari Purple Talk, the music podcast that talks about Prince, Prince-related artists, music, videos, films, everything in the purple world of the purple musical singularity. And joining me this episode is the one, the only host of the Purple Nights podcast, Mr. Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, this is a long, long time coming. Was I did your show, uh, was it last year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we yep. did. We did hit and run phase two. I yeah, believe. yep. And I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, that was a pretty powerful episode. So if you so hadn't had, a, yeah, if you hadn't had a chance to check it out, uh, we'll have a link to the Purple Nights podcast, and you can watch that episode as well as many, many other great episodes. Uh, Mr. Johnson talks to a lot of great people in the Purple Musical Singularity, celebrated guests, (laughs) but I'll let you talk about that. (laughs) Well, I've had some wonderful guests on. Uh, Probably the two most memorable I've had on was uh, Prince scholar Dwayne Tudal, who's written uh, the great studio sessions um, duo of books right now, but <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's about to be a trio. But yeah, there's the first one, and there's the second one. Yeah, yeah, I got the, the hardback. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had Dwayne on. He is a great guest and a really great person. Uh, my proudest moment as a podcaster is. I've had Susan Rogers on twice and oh, she's amazing. just she's just remarkable. She's the she's a joy to talk to. I, I can't describe how blessed I've been to have her on. Um the one I'm really excited about that I haven't nailed down yet is the one and only Maite Garcia. But we're working on that. We're gonna make okay. it happen sometime in the near future so i'm really looking forward to that it'll be a dream come true to have maite on the purple nights podcast yeah i finally got a chance to read her book um just probably early part of the summer okay and yeah i i enjoyed the book i mean you know not only just the you know, stuff dealing with Prince and the marriage and everything that came before and after. But I mean, just her life in general, it's fascinating. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. And that's what that's what I try to do with the majority of the guests on the Purple Nights podcast, you know, especially when I have associates and people like that on. We know them um, primarily because of their work and their association with Prince, right? But at the same time, we don't want to sell them short and make them make it seem like that's all they're about, you know. So right. we want to we want to spread the love and and uh, take a look at their contributions and their work above and beyond Prince as well. So yeah. with Maite, I'll definitely be doing that because she does do a lot of 
work with Animal Rescue. She does mm -hmm. uh, charity work for a nonprofit. So we'll have a lot to talk about in addition to Prince, of course. Okay, yeah, definitely looking forward to watching that interview. So, yeah, keep me yeah. posted. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know it. Cool, cool. All right, so we're going to dive into our topics. Uh, the first topic is uh, something that I haven't touched on since maybe the first season of the show. And just brings up the question of when will we hear Prince's final album? Uh, now, we know that Prince was always recording. He was always working on songs. Um, sometimes he would get to a point to where, okay, this is going to be the album. And then sometimes he's just working because he just always had that drive. Um, but there were, I guess, a project or projects in circulation. Um, you know, uh, kind of the years leading up to 2016. Uh, I know there was one, Black is the New Black. That was one project. Um, a live piano and microphone was in the works. And um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, probably um, one of the last songs uh, was a song called Be Cool. And that was just based on a lyric sheet that was on the stand in Paisley Park at the time. So um, I know for me, this is one of those albums where, you know, I'm, I would be excited for it, but at the same time, you know, it's that, that thing I'm kind of apprehensive about just because of the finality of it all. And I know, Chris, we were talking uh, before the show and I was telling you about how the Hendrix estate when they dropped the album first raised the new rising sun. And that was one I didn't know about, you know, what Hendrix was working on. I didn't know that much about him beyond the three albums that he had in his lifetime plus band of gypsies. So when that was released, you know, it was just kind of like, okay, well that exists and that's what they say it is. And, you know, it's a pretty strong compilation. Um, but I would say this and probably the only other thing that I would be have that excitement and kind of apprehension about also would be like John Lennon and Yoko Ono's Double Fantasy album. Or, you know, when they do, a, um, if they ever get around to doing like a box set or a deluxe edition of that. Now, there's still a ways to go with the Lennon stuff. But, but with Prince, you know, would they ever, you know, the estate ever consider compiling enough tracks and say, you know, this was the final album. Would they do it after say they've gotten all the classic stuff released and everything that's been officially released or would they drop it in between, you know, say a parade super deluxe and a diamonds and pearls super deluxe. You know, just going off, you know, the amount of time it's been since, you know, people like Hendrix and Miles Davis and John Lennon have passed, you know, a lot of that stuff doesn't come out until 20 or 30 years down mm -hmm. the road. So I would, I would hope that something like that for Prince would come out sooner, but my money is, 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 uh, 
I put my money on the the uh, likelihood that it's going to be later down the road. Now that's that could either be a good thing or a bad thing, um, you know, depending on where we're at in our uh, stages of life as fans. You know, I'm I tend to skew on the the younger side of fans. You know, I'm I'm 42 years old. I was born in the the year of dirty minds, so okay, uh, I'm on the younger younger side of of fandom um, as far as, you know, being contemporaries with Prince, um, you know, more like fans like my older sister who turned me on to Prince. She's in, she's in her fifties. Right. So, um, so I'm hoping that for the, the fan community's sake that it's sooner rather than later, but I think just looking at the trends of, posthumous releases for other artists you know um those type of compilations are usually farther down the road and it's mm -hmm. interesting to think about because it could be it could be a fully formulated album or it could be an ep or it could be just a compilation of various tracks from that 2015 2016 period right so we don't really know what uh, shape or form that'll take, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the release of that material, that uh, so-called final material that he recorded. And I'm sure, you know, with, with marketing and all that, they'll, they'll definitely put an emphasis on the fact that it's his final studio work, you know, so that'll be the big selling point. But yeah, mm. stuff like Black is the New Black and Rough Enough and songs like Rough Enough and Free Yourself, you know, uh, towards the end there. Um, they're one of my uh, probably top three holy grails right now in terms of Prince releases that I'd like to see released mm. in my lifetime. So definitely looking forward to that yeah and i'm you know yeah and that's a, you brought up a very interesting point about the timeline excuse me because they have you know we have artists like you said it's 20 years like okay the hendrix estate you know um at one point hendrix's father had control of the estate early on he got swindled out of it and had to sue to get it back and that was like a 15, 20 year battle. And it wasn't until 1996 when he was able to get those rights back yep. to everything. Yep. And, yep. For, you know, and then of course, you know, when he passed, you know, now his daughter controls everything with the Hendrix estate. So from 96 to now, you know, it's been a steady stream of, releases of course in 2000 they changed licensing from uh universal to sony okay so, yeah so you got a you know again another reissue and remaster of the original albums um whatever box sets were available during you know when they first got control in 96 and then from that point forward you know through now you know live albums they have a 
website where they have a separate label for, you know, just fan base stuff. Right. And, right. you know, like um, live recordings and some of that stuff is even, you know, they paid the fans for it. You know, whoever had a tape of that concert that nobody else has, you know, not even Hendrix had it. And, and they would they would release it. That's something that I think all of us as Prince fans, or the majority of us at least, I know, I shouldn't say all because that's a little, uh, you know, generalization. But most of us, I would say, would want some type of online platform like, say, a, a revival of the MPG Music Club yes. where we could buy, you know, live and studio recordings, you know, whenever we want, you know, however in whatever configuration or bundle, you know, we so choose. We would love to be able to have that opportunity. I know Bruce Springsteen has a similar thing. Uh, I believe uh, Neil Young does yeah. also, or maybe I'm confusing that with another artist. Mm -hmm. No, because actually I subscribe to that. It's it's uh, 20 bucks a year, you know, for the minimum. And yeah. even with that 20 bucks, you get a wealth of material that you can listen to and yeah. yeah, I I would love that. That would that would personally be like Christmas all year round for me as a hardcore Prince fan mm -hmm. to have an outlet like that where you could just you know get music anytime, music and that is to say studio music, live performances, uh, and video as well as audio. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, some of the some of the fans have this stuff. In droves, I know Dr. Funkenberry. Shout out to Dr. Funkenberry, <laughs> big <sure>. luminary <laughs> in the in the Prince uh, Purple Singularity, as you like to put it, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> um, he uh, has quite a few videos on his TikTok account. If you follow him on TikTok, he's digitized a bunch of old stories and videos from VHS that he had recorded off of TV and various sources wow. and he's posted them on TikTok. So it's like kind of like going back on a time machine and stuff like that. Can, that could be sourced from fans would be cool to have too, because a lot of us out there have a lot of the stuff in pretty good quality. So the estate would be wise, I think to consult us and hit us up for some of this stuff that maybe they don't have access to anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, but, I think it's a good model. Um, like I said, looking yeah. at the Hendrix and Neil Young and, and others, you know, um, Zappa website too, yep. you know, lots of studio, lots of live recordings. And, yep. you know, they listen to the fans. You know, they give the fans exactly what they want. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's interesting, you know, talking about the the finality of it all and, and uh you know, you being a little confused or conflicted about it, you know, my uh one of my contacts on Twitter is a real real nice guy. I haven't had him on the Purple Nights podcast yet, but Mr. Scott Woods out of Columbus, Ohio. Oh yeah, a, yes. He's yeah, a shout poet. out to Scott. <laughs> he's a poet and essayist and he wrote a he wrote a um, 
or he published a book, I should say, of his Prince essays, Prince and Little Weird Black Boy Gods, I believe is the name of the book. Uh, if, you, if any of you haven't checked that out yet, look that up and check okay. it out because it's good stuff. But Scott Woods the other day posted a Twitter thread basically talking about, you know, people fronting because they were, they're all, you know, demanding and they're insatiable for all this vault material all at once. And Scott's argument was that deep down people are, are scared or nervous at the notion that the, the, the output from Prince is finite, right? There's going to be an end to it uh, someday, you know, because he's no longer around to produce new stuff. So someday, if they go through the entire vault, you know, and it's yeah. going to be the end of it at some point, and people still aren't going to be satisfied because there's this psychological need to, um, you know, consume all this material from this beloved artist, but, you know, we've got to realize in our logical minds that it's all finite and there's an end to mm -hmm. it somewhere. So, and I think that scares a lot of people. So I think that's why people get caught up in the fervor of wanting everything everywhere all at once to quote a title of a great movie. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that's a that's a big part of where we're at in in Prince fandom at present. Because I was telling you, you know, before we started the show, it's kind of a tenuous time as a Prince fan, right? Because we're in between regimes for the Prince estate, and right now we don't know, you know, what's going to happen or what the future holds, really. We don't know what the game plan is for the new regime coming in. And like you alluded to on your last podcast, Richard, um, the Netflix documentary is likely what's holding things up right now. So once the Netflix documentary drops sometime next year, my strong bet is that we're going to see then a continuous stream of releases, maybe two major releases per year like we have saw in the previous regime, or maybe that's mm -hmm. just the, the minimum. Maybe we're talking, you know, more releases. Maybe they'll they'll listen to the fans a little closer as, as Sharon Nelson has alluded to, you know, in, in uh, interviews with the Minneapolis News and everything where they, they mm -hmm. took over um, Sharon had said that you know the fans are going to get the real, the real good stuff to quote yeah. her. So, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if anything materializes out of that. But right now, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a wait and see type of moment because yeah, we're not sure what the game plan is. Uh, we know I've heard from secondhand sources that the the siblings, Prince's siblings, weren't cool with the direction of the Super Deluxe Editions. Um, so we'll see if that means if there'll be any Super Deluxe Editions going forward or not. But um, that's up to the 
the new regime of the Prince of State, I guess. That's all I can say about that. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know. I believe that we will see. I don't, you know, it's weird. I guess super deluxe editions. It's weird because that was kind of born out of the old deluxe editions. Um, you know, they would release a legendary album by an artist and you would get like a remastered version of the original album. And then you get like some bonus cuts. It could be like nine times out of 10, it was always like a second CD of just outtakes or bonus tracks. Um, like I've, I got the Marvin Gaye ones. Um, what's going on? Let's get it on. That um, let's see. Also, to the um, was that Midnight Love, that deluxe edition, and you had like box sets, which usually would just cover the artist's entire career, where you would get like maybe a few hits, some deep cuts, some B sides, outtakes, vault tracks, some live tracks here and there. So, you know, to see we're kind of like in this age where the super deluxe edition and it seems like there's a different one for different artists like every other day now, where before those things used to be like extremely rare. <laughs> and, you right. know, I get, you know, to kind of segue into the next topic, utilizing that, um, we're talking about the possibility of Purple Rain, you know, um, the deluxe edition and I could see where not only the family members weren't happy with that release. A lot of fans weren't happy with that release, you know, due to the way it was remastered, uh, the choice of vault tracks. Um, I don't know. Um, I know what were your thoughts? I know you mentioned um, earlier on social media, you know, how you took a deep dive back into that set. Right. You're looking forward to, you know, sharing your thoughts on the show. Right. Well, I would, first of all, let me say this. There's there's good and bad about the 2017 Purple Rain remastered and expanded, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's, good, there's good points to it and there's bad points to it. I mean, and I always got to accentuate the positive, right? That's what I'm all about. So okay. I'll say that I like I like the fact that they made an effort to put something out um so soon after Prince's passing, but it at the same on the same token, I would say that yeah, I think we the majority of us, again, the majority of us can acknowledge that it was a little bit of a rush job, a little mm -hmm. bit of a you know, jumping the gun, you know going with what they had at the li the limited resources that they had at the time in the Warner Brothers uh, personal Warner Brothers vault at that time because mm -hmm. none of Prince's vaults had been uh, you know cataloged or digitized at that point so what we got was outtakes from Warner Brothers personal vault and I think they did the best with what they had as far as uh, remastering everything, cleaning everything up, but it certainly isn't perfect, right? We had all those those um, people coming out of the woodwork saying the, the the sound quality issues from, you know, 
um, like Computer Blue and Erotic City. Oh yeah, the extended version had had dropouts in the audio, right? And there were there was tape hiss and artifacts on on other on some of the other outtakes. Um, so because they were called from various sources, you know, within mm -hmm. within the Warner Brothers uh vault of material but so i i commend them for getting something out there when they did but yet i i uh i think it was a definite rush job and i think more care and time needed to be put into uh such an iconic release as purple rain uh purple rain is my favorite and I don't care if that means I need to turn in my Prince fan card, but Purple Rain is my favorite album of all time by any artist, not just Prince. Um, to me, it's a near flawless album. And um, yeah, I think it deserves, I think it deserves an expansive treatment. I was, you know, going over in my head today, thinking about it, you know, exactly how many discs would it be? you know, comprising everything that I would want in mm -hmm. a super deluxe edition. And I haven't really calculated the number of discs in my head because I'm bad at math. That's just how us uh, English majors tend to be. We tend to be bad at math. But uh, yeah, um, I ideally, I would want everything in the, the Purple Rain remastered and expanded that we got in 2017 plus um seven inch edits and 12 inch edits of all the songs in the mm -hmm. film from the associated artists uh the time des dickerson um also am i forgetting um van apollonia six, six yep vanity six um all the all the 12 inches and seven inch edits, you know, just to be a completist. I know people say, some people say that the edits are a waste of time, but I think as a completist, you know, you'd love to have the seven inch and 12 inch edits on the deluxe editions, right? So I would right. want all those associated artist tracks on the, you know, with the super deluxe as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few more discs of outtakes because I know um, I'm pretty confident. I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty confident that there's there's enough outtakes from Purple Raid to fill um, multiple discs, not just one disc of outtakes, but perhaps three or four. Um, so perhaps not extensive as outtakes as as sign of the time super deluxe but certainly enough to fill multiple discs i know there was there, there was a guy you know um on prince.org who is a pretty avid underground collector and he was saying that the version of father's song for example that we got on the 2017 set mm -hmm. wasn't the actual version we should have gotten it was a mm -hmm. test version to made to test out the sound of synthesizers 
on the track. And um, this man actually said that there is a version, a proper piano version that more closely syncs up to the version that we heard in the film that Francis okay. L was playing uh, in the basement on the piano in the movie. Um, I've always wanted, that's another one of my holy grails is the, the um, simple clean full piano version of father's song because i just love that melody and it's so haunting and beautiful but um yeah i found it interesting mm -hmm. when i read that you know years ago on prince.org that this version of father's song that we got isn't uh, <laughs> the quote-unquote correct version uh, and um, but you could probably take that with a grain of salt but i'm I'm, you know, the hopeful part of me, you know, the dreamer part of me um, hopes that there is a proper, you know, simple piano version in the vault, like what we heard um, in the movie. And I know there's also um, some people, some of my friends on social media commented on my post and they said, don't forget about the the score, the instrumental film score um, by the late, great Michael Columbier, who did the music in conjunction with Prince, they would also like the whole score to be remastered and mm. issued on a, on a deluxe edition as well. So we're talking mm. about all the associated artists, songs, you know, seven and 12 inch singles, um, multiple discs of outtakes, which I was going to mention, you know, there's there's extended versions of songs like Take Me With You, although that's a very minor extension. There's, a, mm -hmm. there's an extended instrumental outro. So it's not a big, it's not a big, you know, momentous, you know, change from the release version. But still, as a completist, I would love to have that version. There's a version of the beautiful ones with extra lyrics in the uh, the hardcore, you know, section where he's screaming his, his lungs out and emotional. There's an extra line in that. Um, I think I have that. There's a version with a, there's a version of Darling Nikki with an extra bit of guitar solo um, before mm -hmm. we get to the end of that song. I used to and, have that one. <laughs> so there's there's just little minor minor uh, alternate versions of Purple Rain tracks that I would love to hit, see included on a on a real authentic, you know, super deluxe, you know, full on Purple Rain set and then also in addition to the music, you know, you got to have video. And for me, I thought, you know, why not even take it a step up um, from these previous Super Deluxe Editions, right? And have two videos included in the set. And yeah, I yeah. thought of something like, since Syracuse has already been, Syracuse 85 done has already twice. been remastered. Yeah, done twice. So that's out. So I thought, what about the the remastered video and audio of the August 3rd 
1983 okay. First Avenue yeah. <laughs> Have that be one of the videos and then have the other video be a date from the Purple Ray tour, like, say, Atlanta. I'm just saying that as a random suggestion because I don't know if there's other concerts out there that are better and more unique than Syracuse and Atlanta, but just for a place filler, I'll say Atlanta 85, because I know that's out there and that exists in pretty good mm-hmm. quality. So have have those two live videos included in the Purple Brain Super Deluxe as well. So we're talking at least at least as many disc, discs as Sign of the Time Super Deluxe, which was what? Eight discs? Eight discs, yeah. In yeah. total. So we're talking at least maybe nine or ten, you know, yeah. with with the two videos included, yeah, yeah. either or, on DVD or, or Blu-ray. Yeah. Or, so, or I was about to say you can probably put both shows on one Blu-ray. Yes. Yeah, it should be enough time to Yeah, I would imagine that. that. But yeah, those are my those are my thoughts really breaking it down. But then after I say all that, my logical brain is like, well, what's the what's the price point on a package like that? Is that gonna is that gonna break the bank for most most uh music buyers and you know cause them not to not to purchase the set because i know there was a there was an uproar online for the especially around the side of the time box set where the the price point was a real um you know a real roadblock Mm -hmm. for for people for fans wanting to purchase the set because you know these are expensive to make they're expensive to to print and manufacture so um you know you gotta charge pretty good money for them and there are a lot of hardcore fans not to say that i'm rich and that money is no object but i i place a high premium on 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 print stuff so i actually this is the first time i'm actually admitting this out loud but i'm actually one of the people that bought the $790 uh, Prince Purple Rain motorcycle sculpted figurine uh, which Uh, has been which has been delayed until New Year's Day of 2023 it was supposed to come in August but it's now been delayed but mm -hmm. I actually purchased that and it was an investment of of you know about $901 all told and that's a lot of money to invest in anything but when it comes to prints for me you know i place a high premium on anything and everything to do with prints so there there have been some exceptions like Mm -hmm. the robert whitman um the robert whitman photo book that came out a few years ago um prints before fame that was too rich for my blood at the time. That was over two hundred dollars, but uh, <laughs> and then I then I go and spend nine hundred on a, a purple rain figurine. But um, yeah, I could. I thought you know I could afford it. I had been saving my money, so I thought, why not? You know, you only live once, so you got to enjoy this life. But, yeah, that's but, true. Um, 
But for me, you know, I'm willing to pay whatever within reason for a quality product. And the, the sign of the times, super deluxe, really proved to me and, and showed me that at least the previous regime in the parental state was willing to go to great lengths to put out an amazing quality product. So if they can do this with Purple Rain for the 40th anniversary, just go out and pull out all the stops, do a, you know, mm. 10 to 10 to 12 disc set, you know, I might be doing it through clenched teeth, but I'm going to pony <laughs> up the cash for it. So, you yeah. know, because that's how I roll, you know, as a hardcore <laughs> fan, that's how it is. Yeah. I, I, I love I love my boy Prince and I need to support him. So, um, Oh yeah. You know, you know, you know, he's given a lot. And I mean, literally he's given a lot of himself to, you know, to the fan base and yeah, you know, it's, it is up to us to support it. I mean, you know, and with that being said, you know, everybody's, you know, income is different. Everybody's tastes are different. Right. And, you know, so, for those that feel like, oh, there's that eight disc box set. I don't know if I can, you know, afford that. And it's like, you know, don't even pressure yourself. If, you know, for somebody like us, you know, like I said, we love the vault tracks. You right. Know? And I know for me personally, I know sometimes the CDs are cheaper than the vinyl. Yes. Yeah. So for me, when it comes to like the vault tracks and all of that stuff, then I prefer buying the CD, the box set or super deluxe edition. Okay. Then, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then for like, say vinyl, then I'll just purchase the original album on vinyl. Right. You right. Know? And too, there are, you know, depending on the project, you know, I've seen sets where, yeah, you can get the eight, nine, ten disc set of this particular super deluxe, and then they'll have like, oh well, you know, if you don't want all those tracks, then here you could buy this four disc set or two disc set. Or you know, if there are fans that just want the original album, then you can just buy the original album on CD. Or right, vinyl. that's a that's a good point. The previous regime of the the Prince Estate were very good at offering releases with various levels and various mm -hmm. tiers of you know material you know they would offer anything from like you say just the the remastered album on its own to a mm. two disc four disc uh eight disc you know it doesn't matter there there, there was always a tier for people who could you know spend as much or as little as they wanted to on these releases so it's very good to have a tier a tier set up where like you say you have those options for people that want to buy just the one disc or mm. multiple discs you know and all the levels in between so it's very important to have that right in yeah. place yeah we would be categorized as i guess either that you know the actual fan base or that category of audiophile, because that's what those super deluxe editions are for. They're for the collectors. They're for that deep cut fan, you know, that wants everything, you know, and especially the vault tracks or especially the live tracks. Yeah. And then, 
you know, there are fans that there are people that, you know, say love Prince and they may have jumped off the bandwagon, whether it was after Purple Rain or whether it was after Sign of the Times yep. or it was after the name change, you know, yep. but they were also music fans and Prince was just one of those happy memories for them. And if right. they lost their physical media in any way, shape or form or needed to upgraded or if they never had it now this stuff can be available so where you have the single disc or the two disc set you know i think that's more for those fans where right. the, the bigger sets are you know more for us kind of most of the listeners on your show and my show you right. know you know we're gonna be there with our purple croutons ready to <laughs> you know like here right. take it all <laughs> right Right. Right. But yeah, I yeah. yeah, I feel um I feel the same way that you do about the state of the previous Purple Range Super Deluxe. You know, I do feel that it was rushed out there. And I think mainly because Warner Brothers did want to put something out even while Prince was here. So I don't know if there was this sort of tension as to, well, what are we going to include? You know, what well, we want to include Erotic City. Maybe Prince was like, no, I don't want Erotic City on it. You know, it may have been those little details that might have held it up. You know, I remember Prince was kind of blaming it on Warner Brothers. Like, well, why isn't this coming out? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, well, you got to talk and, to Warner Brothers. It was them. <laughs> and one thing, one thing I wanted to mention, too, about the 2017 set, look, all due respect to Joshua Welton, as we're recording this, we're recording this on the day of his birthday, actually. Oh, so happy, okay. happy, happy birthday. birthday <laughs> happy birthday to Joshua Welton. All due respect to you, my man, but your uh, remaster um, wasn't, how do I say this in a kind way? It wasn't exactly the kind of remaster that we that we needed or that we deserved because I think it was just all the all the levels pushed up to 11 to quote the Spinal Tap movie <laughs> um, and I think it was missing the nuance that say a remaster of 1999 or a remaster of hmm. Sign of the Times has so I think it would require the hand of somebody like Bernie Grundeman or or uh, Chris James, the the excellent engineer who was actually behind the remix and remaster of Prince of the Revolution Live, the Syracuse 85 release. Uh, shout out to Chris James. Okay, the, uh, the one the recent one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That that was amazing. And did he also do the vinyl reissues uh, in 2015? Um, that I'm not sure about. I'm it was. Sure about uh, I have to check because I did do an episode, um, you know, talking about the Paisley Park remaster. Right. And uh, one of the listeners uh, mentioned um, that it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't Bernie Grumman that did those remasters. And I want to say it was Chris James. I don't know. I'll have to go 
review the comments on that episode. Chris Let's James, see. Chris James Tobias did a did an outstanding job with the audio on the on the Prince of the yeah. Revolution live reissue. I mean, just outstanding. So, um, and I know. Even some of my Facebook friends disagree with me on that, but we can all, we all have our opinions and it's cool. And, mm. you know, like Fred says, if, if people are with it, that's cool. If people aren't, <laughs> that's cool too, cool too, you know? <laughs> so, um, so they're but, not going to uh, buy everything, but they'll buy it. They're going to buy one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, um, yeah, so I was gonna say, yeah, but um, I did do an episode covering that Paisley Park remaster, and you know, in reviewing it prior to that episode, it to me it wasn't that bad, and then I'll cut him some slack because mastering is not easy. It's no. you know, it engineering alone is hard enough, you know, to be able to work a mixed board and to know the nuances of sound and how to get sounds to do certain things is it's not an easy job and you right. know shout out to engineers everywhere you know you guys are just as important as whoever's on the microphone or whoever's playing the instrument you know when it comes to making records and i would say you know if he was under prince's mentorship you know, maybe he was trying to train him to do the best job that he could. And this it's not bad, I guess, if it's his first time out the box doing it. Right. I know in the interview, right. yeah, um, interviews, you know, Prince has praised Joshua for his mixing skills. Now, mixing and mastering are two different, two different things. And like I said, mastering is really not easy. You know, right. I always say on this show, you know, if you're a musician and you're recording and you want somebody to master your stuff, you know, don't fall for those guys that go, I can master in 15 minutes. <laughs> and it's like yeah. what you what you said, <laughs> all they're going to do is just crank it up to 11 and, you know, set a few frequencies here and there. And it's like, well, that may not be the best thing for your recording. Right. You know, and too, you know, sometimes in a lot of cases, remastering doesn't always make it better right um you know sometimes um you know if you bought a cd in 1984 well prince is an exception that stuff definitely needed to be remastered <laughs> for sure but there are albums um that first time out the gate you know before there was 24-bit mastering and the technology that we have now that sound immaculate on CD. And then when they've gone to remaster something in 24 bit, or if they made it louder, or if they changed this, it really isn't as good as, or, you know, the CD before or right. original right. analog master of the vinyl. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because, you know, there was just that one album. Now we don't know if, Prince let Joshua Welton remaster, say, Parade. Because apparently that was, you know, rumored to have been in the can and ready to go. Yep. As well. So 
did yep. he did he have a hand in that which we probably won't see that probably won't see the light of day if parade is ever released as a super deluxe edition we won't see the joshua welton remaster no. on that one I, I can guarantee that like i said props to him like i said it's not an easy job and to me it didn't sound that bad but you know, I think going forward, it's, it's gonna... not it's not bad, but for me, it just doesn't have the, you know, the nuance that, especially the dynamics, the, you know, the mark the market difference between louds and softs. You know, on mm. a song like say the beautiful ones, um, it just mm. seems louder overall rather than, you know, sonically dynamic, mm -hmm. um, to me to my ears, but. Yeah, what to me. So, yeah, to me. I, and I also did the uh, CD versus vinyl. Okay. On that too, and yeah, that was one where the vinyl definitely won the battle yep. with that. Yep. Um, guess I'm trying to think what else. Now, when Doves cried, there was no difference. Okay. To me. I didn't really hear a significant difference. Um, Let's go crazy. I think again the vinyl one out. Uh let's see, Computer Blue, Darling Nikki. The Paisley Park remaster sounds better in the car. Yep. Than it does on, you know, say playing it on your CD player at home. Yep, I can see that. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, and it, again, it's all subjective, you know. Um musical taste or subjective you know what we like somebody else might not like and vice versa but i do believe going forward that once we hit 2024 there'll be the bernie grubman remaster of the original purple rain uh the outtakes i would say you know just whoever's curating this is just read Dwayne Tudor's book. And yes. I would want everything that, you know, related to the actual, you know, like while he was recording things for Purple Rain. Right. Those are the things that I want included in that super deluxe. Because I think that yes. was kind of one of the, the strike, like Dance Electric wasn't part of Purple Rain, you know. Yeah. We can, you know, <laughs> you know, we, uh, you know, that wasn't part of Purple Rain. That was recorded, you know, After, January, January yeah. 31st, 1984. The movie had come and gone and, you know, the tour was in full swing. So, you know, while those were nice to have, I mean, I, I love both of those songs and I'm glad that we have official versions of that. But to me, it doesn't go with, in fact, a lot of those songs didn't go with the Purple Rain, you know, I guess, vibe or right. symmetry, you know, the symmetry right. of it. Right, right. So, yeah, like you said, with the versions of Father's Song, you know, you can do a version one and version two and put that on a super deluxe. Yeah. Yeah, you can do, um, I don't know, I have to break out the book, but yeah, just, um, or say if there's a prince vocal of ice cream castles or a prince vocal of the bird that should be on the super deluxe yes you know and 
I would say to the estate, you know, don't be afraid of repetition. You know, yes, we do have originals. And while you have Jungle Love, you have Sex Shooter on that compilation, still put that on a, you know, put that on the Super Deluxe of Purple Rain as well. Yes. I'll, I'll tell you, um, you know, Jimi Hendrix wasn't on the planet long, but he had a lot of material that he recorded. And when I buy a lot of, you know, Hendrix stuff, whether it's live or whether, you know, it's studio material that they found or that they've held on to for a long time, a lot of those compilations, there's probably one or two songs that I could say just about almost every one, it's the same song. It's not the same version of it, but it's the same song. It's going to be Hear My Train A Coming or it's going to be Red House you know, but right. it's right. But it's, even even on a package like the Beatles anthology, which I consider to be one of the best uh, anthology releases ever ever done, there were multiple versions and multiple takes of the same song, mm-hmm. and they they even included the false starts, which were really really fun to hear. You know those yeah. moments in the studio like that. But yeah, multiple versions. It's not a bad thing whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It actually makes you, you know, realize the creative process that it took to formulate these songs, right? So you're you're in the studio and you're a part of that experience hearing the various versions of the the same song and hearing how it took shape and achieved its final form. So mm-hmm. it's it's part of the you know, it's that insight into the creative process, which I think is really, really cool. So, yeah, I would love to, I wouldn't be opposed to having multiple versions of the same track, the same song on a Super Deluxe at all. And like you say, you know, even repeating from originals, you know, a song like Jungle Love, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that because it's like you say, it's part of the era. It's part of part of the fabric of the the Purple Rain era. Right. So it deserves to be included. So um definitely. Yeah. So hopefully the estate will be listening. They're taking notes, you know, but they gotta pay us. <laughs> Or you know, we'll, we'll take some free. We'll take a free uh, super deluxe edition. We'll we'll do a review. <laughs> exactly. Of maybe it. some maybe some free T-shirts or something. Something. Too. Yep. So send those cards and letters, estate to. <laughs> <laughs> send it to Chris and Richard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So but you know, let's we'll leave that open to the our listeners. You know, let us know what you think. I mean, it's 2024. I'm. I would say I'm 98% certain that they will do a much more expanded Purple Rain Super Deluxe. I mean, let me put it this way. It would totally surprise and shock and disappoint me if they didn't, right? Right. I mean, it seems like the most obvious the most obvious move, the most obvious thing to materialize since somebody came up with sliced bread. I mean, come on. Yeah. 
there's got to be a 40th anniversary of Purple Rain. It's okay. got to happen. And if it doesn't, okay. it's a crime. So. Well, I'll say this. Worst case scenario, 50th anniversary. Right, right. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, take keep taking my vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Keep taking and stay trying to stay in shape and <laughs> yep. Start, I'm gonna start eating healthier, making healthier choices. So Me we can too. be Me yeah. Too. So, so let's see, what is that? 20 24, so 2034. Yeah, we gotta be ready. <laughs> yeah. We gotta be ready. But something something big is coming, right? Like you did that advertisement for the MPG music club. Something big is big coming, club. 2034. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to be here for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that most definitely. But something we don't have to wait too long for would be the induction of Jammin' Lewis into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So this Ooh. news, yeah, so this news kind of dropped for me just um, while preparing for the show. So this was like a last minute topic um, insertion for this um there was an interview in bill or on billboard.com um i haven't had a chance to read all of it um but you know it was just kind of getting information on what the date of the induction ceremony was going to be which is november 5th and it basically interview is um really just covering jam and lewis's um you know history in the music business uh from there earliest days in Minneapolis, like how they became musicians. Um, they do mention Prince in the interview. They also talk about working with Janet and, you know, other artists as well. So um, it looks to be a pretty interesting read. So I can't wait to go back in and, you know, really put my focus into it and read the whole thing. But uh, listeners of this show, from the very beginning, I've been campaigning to get well, the entire membership of the time into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I say we got two down. <laughs> we got five more to go. <laughs> there you I go. Hope. Yeah, but this is a, a very, very, you know, prestigious honor. Um, you know, they, you know, for the 80s and the 90s and, you know, even beyond that, like later work with, you know, with Usher, you know, Jam and Lewis have changed the R&B, not only the R&B landscape, but the pop landscape, you know, Janet Jackson, Human League, ooh, SOS Band, Alexander O'Neill, Sherelle, New Edition, uh, Sounds of Blackness, you know, I, you know, I remember back in, I think it was 83 and you know, finding out that they had been fired from the time. And I was like, ah, number one, I was devastated because, I mean, I liked the time and I just knew that was the beginning of the end with that. And, but there was an interview that they did. I think it was, I think it was Blackbeat Magazine. And they were talking about, you know, their work with the SOS band. And I think not too long after that, I think it had just come out or it had been out for a while. And, you know, I love, I wore the grooves off of that. I bought like the 12 inch single to that <laughs> and wore the grooves off of it. And then hearing the stuff off of that on the rise album, 
Um, you know, Tell Me If You Still Care, that track, uh, that's one of my favorite ballads, you know, of all time. You know, um, they pioneered the use of the 808 drum machine on on that track. You know, so it's that, the work with Janet with Control, Rhythm Nation. Um, yeah, the previous episode um, talking about, you know, Velvet Rope, you know, that being re-released and just what an amazing, amazing album that is. You know, I, I mean, I enjoyed it back in, you know, back in the 90s, but hadn't really played it that much since then. But to revisit it since it had been re-released, you know, that's, you know, Jam and Lewis at work on the production of that. And it's just, it's such a sonically pleasing record. That is when you go back and listen to it. So, you know, yeah, definitely props to Jam and Lewis for being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, the ceremony is November 5th. Um, I don't know when they'll actually broadcast it. Um, it'll probably be like on HBO or HBO Max. Um, probably by like January or something. But I'm sure they'll announce a, the actual broadcast date where we can actually watch the, the program. But, you know, Chris, hearing that news, you know, what are your thoughts? What are, you know, memories of Jam and Lewis or favorite Jam and Lewis productions? We could do a whole episode on that <laughs> alone. I mean, Control, Control is one of those albums that ranks right up there with some of Prince's best stuff for me. I mean, just an iconic album, and it's really where Janet really, uh, you know, came onto my radar with that album, and I have a special place in my heart for that album, and. Mm -hmm. Rhythm Nation, you know, just a brilliant, brilliant concept album uh, full of, yeah. you know, deep social commentary of the times and, and just, you know, two absolutely iconic Janet records that I absolutely love. And uh, shout out to Monty Moore, too, for writing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pleasure Principle. Um which is probably my favorite Janet song of all time. I just love that song. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Jam and Lewis, absolute legends, absolute icons, well-deserved. Congratulations, gentlemen. Yes, yes, congratulations. Yep, and like you say, shout out to Monty Moore as well. Um, also someone too that doesn't get a lot of props and should also get paid as well, and that's Jelly Bean Johnson. Oh, you know, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, you can be mine on the Control album, Black Cat on Rhythm Nation. Yes. Yeah. That's why I say they, you know, you know, again, obviously Jam and Lewis, because, I mean, they've set records, they've broken records, you know, not literally break records, but, <laughs> but you know, they're, they've really earned their place in musical history. And, you know, not to say that the other members of the time weren't relevant. They've you know, definitely have found, uh, you know, success after being in the time. You know, Moore's Day has a strong solo career, Jesse Johnson, strong solo career, and, you know, props to him as a producer also. Um, like I said, Monty, Jelly Bean, you know, Jerome. There's There's categories in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where individually they can qualify 
or even as the time, you know, because the argument is that, oh, well, Prince played all the, you know, music or it was, you know, Prince and Morris doing all the music. And that's true. But, you know, as a live ensemble, you know, the caliber of musicians that they are, um, there's categories that they can be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as, as, as a live unit, as, you know, the band. You know, they set trends as a live act and, you know, they were forced to be reckoned with as a live act as well. I would say still to this day. So, yeah, yeah. they were they were one of the only if if not the only entity that put the fear of God in Prince himself as far as being an intimidating factor mm -hmm. uh, for Prince. So and that 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 to me, that says volume. So, yeah, the, the time definitely deserved to be inducted, I would I would say. Yeah, well, like I said, hopefully one day. You know, hopefully sooner than later. And hopefully, you know, while all seven are still here with us, you know, that is something that, you know, that I would like to definitely see. But again, like I said, this isn't taken away from the shine on Jam and Lewis. Like I said, they were let go of the time and, you know, could have faded into obscurity after that. But you know, they had a determination and a drive and a passion to become producers and songwriters and, you know, had some great material, you know, to to get them to that point and, you know, to open those doors to get them to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, yes, definitely. Congratulations, Jam and Lewis. Can't wait to watch the ceremony uh, whenever it's broadcast. Like I said, I guess HBO or HBO Max. So I guess I need to keep my subscription going for a little while longer. Me too. <laughs> Me <Ooh>. too. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to the flashback segment of the show. And that's where we just kind of pick a moment in Prince history or just kind of look back on a certain project uh, in this case this week is going to be for no particular reason around the world in a day um i remember in the height of all the purple rain stuff going on i think let's see i was probably by the time i read this maybe my 25th time seeing purple rain in the theater <laughs> oh wow uh let's see i know that I think it was December. Uh, the tour came to the St. Louis Arena. Used to be called the Checker Dome back in the day. So there was that. I had Purple Rain. I had Glamorous Life, Ice Cream Castles. I had borrowed uh, Apollonia 6, made a cassette of that from somebody. And then there was an issue of Rolling Stone. I can't remember who was on the cover, what the main stories were, but their random note section had covered the um, listening party for around the world the day. And it broke down, you know, what the songs were, um, you know, that journalist interpretation of what the songs were going to sound like. 
And I was excited because the word, and this is the first time I've heard this word used anywhere. And it's not really a word, but somehow it's become an adjective over the years. And that's the word Beatlesque. <laughs> and that word was used in that in that article. And I'm like, huh. So Prince is inspired. The, the Beatles not like the Beatles, but what's Prince going to do with it? So that made it kind of my most anticipated release. And I guess for the mission statement for that album, I guess I was one of those to where that helped him accomplish that because it was like, yeah, Purple Rain had become this huge thing. Like I said, I was like on my 25th, 26th, 27th time seeing Purple Rain in the theater. And I think it was on its way to video cassette <laughs> at that point. And, you know, it was everywhere. It was like Thriller. It was like everywhere in 1984. And, you know, here's something different where Prince is going kind of really left field. You know, it wasn't even going back to 1999. It wasn't going back to Dirty Mind. He really created a piece that really challenged, you know, the listener, you know, fan base included. And the ones that stuck with the album. You know, in a in a way, I felt it wasn't as strong as say like 1999 or even Purple Rain, but it was like, okay, this is the point where I realized you're not going to get the same Prince album twice ever. And I love the album based on that. Fast forward to now, you know, where people talk about, oh, I want a parade super deluxe. Oh, I want a Diamonds and Pearls Super Deluxe. I want a Symbol Album Super Deluxe or Musicology Super Deluxe. You know, going back to what we were saying about how the tracks recorded during the time of Purple Rain, you know, for the movie, where those belong on the set, look at everything that was done towards the end of recording the Purple Rain soundtrack into the rest of 1984. And right. some of 1985. And right. to me, this would be more interesting than, well, Parade is in the class by itself because it's so eclectic, you know, because it's, it's, you know, it's almost avant-garde in a lot of places. But to me, Around the World in a Day would be probably just as good, if not better, than a Purple Rain Super Deluxe. And it would be just as good if not better than a parade super deluxe, just on the strength of you got the family material that's on it. Um, probably early 1985, then you would have like the Romance 1600 material, you know, maybe Prince Originals of that stuff. Um, maybe the beginnings of Maserati, the beginnings of Jill Jones. Um like I said, just the tracks and the B-sides for Around the World in a Day. Um, and I'm sure if we go back into the book, which is the beauty of Dwayne's books, you go back in, you'll probably discover something you didn't catch the first time you read it. So there might be some tracks in there that I'm, I can't even think of that would make it work. But I would say, yeah, this is an album that has definitely grown with me over the years. You know, where back in 1985, you know, I was like, oh, 
you know, she's always in my hair. Well, why couldn't that have been on the album? Yeah, they could have taken off, uh, you know, they could have taken off this song and put it on there, you know, or Paisley Park. They could have taken that off and put She's Always in My Hair on it. But now I enjoy listening to it more than I did then. And I enjoyed it then, too, but the it didn't last. I would say it was like probably by the summer because it came out in spring, like spring, I think. And but by the summer, I was just really more into the B-sides and maybe one or two of the tracks on the actual album on it. But now listening to it, like, of course, obviously, Pop Life still stays with me, but I play the extended versions more than I play the album version. Um, Raspberry Beret, of course, obviously still holds up. Uh, the ladder's still strong. Tambourine is still pretty good to listen to. Um, like I said, Paisley Park has grown with me. Condition of the Heart. I think even from the beginning of nineteen eight, you know, 1985 to now, is just my love for that song. Just, you know, it, it never changes. It never changes. So I don't know. Like I said, I think Around the World in the Day, solid album like i said he accomplished what he set out to do which is okay purple rain is too big so i'm not going to try to do purple rain 2 i'm not going to try to do 1999 part 2 i'm just going to do what i want to do and like i said for those of us that stuck with it here you know here we are we're doing podcasts and and still buying prince records we didn't jump off the bandwagon like a lot of people did at that point and I think it's, you know, I, I think it's pretty solid. It's it's a good one to have in your archives. So, Chris, I don't know. What's, what are your memories and thoughts of Around the World today? Okay. I should preface this by saying that I'm probably going to make you and your listeners feel very old. But Around the World in a Day came out when I was five years old. Uh, and, yeah, and, I was 19. Uh, <laughs> I remember... The, the one thing that I remember the most about that album in that time period was it was my first exposure to something, you know, strange and curious and wonderful called a B-side. I had never heard of a B-side before in my life until I dropped the needle on She's Always in My Hair the B-side of Raspberry Beret. And to me, that will always and forever be my number one favorite B-side of all time, bar none, hands down. Just a tremendous, yeah. tremendous song. And I was with you, Richard. I was like, why is this not on the proper <laughs> album? It should be not only an album track, but it should have been a single. Single. In the A-side, yeah, should have been yes. the A-side. Yes, so I love that song. I love, you know, the, the B-side of of um, Pop Life, which was Hello, which oh, was yeah. in yeah. reference to the whole fallout with the We Are the World thing, which is a, a tumultuous period that is detailed really well in Dwayne Tudal's book. Um. But yeah, I I love those B sides. And to this day, the the best B side, the best Prince B sides, in my opinion, come from around the world in a day. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's my major uh, emotional, spiritual connection to this album, if you will. And it's always been it's always been one of my favorites. You know, I don't I I would have to go back and look at because I I ranked all you know, 39 or 42 or how many, how many of them there are, you know, official Prince albums and uh, around the world in the day has got to be in my top 10, I think. And it's, it's one of those albums that it sort of belongs in its own universe. And it's, it's more similar to me. It's more similar to Purple Rain than you would think on the surface. I mean, there are a lot of parallels and like, you know, a song like Temptation, um, you know, has a parallel with the track like Darling Nikki or, you know, one of the more rock edged, you know, type of tracks and like Paisley Park has a similar vibe to Take Me With You and things like that. And the latter obviously being mm. a ballad, you know, that's that sort of evokes purple rain just a little bit mm -hmm. so there are more there are more similarities um you know deep down than you would actually see on the surface but on the flip side of that you know i appreciate it like like you richard you were saying that you know you never get the same prince album twice and i i would just so and I remain so proud of Prince for constantly reinventing himself and switching up the mm -hmm. the textures and flavors of his music and the you know the images and you know changing his his physical appearance you know his look from album to album and era to era and the music as well changed and evolved mm -hmm. you know so you you do you never get the same. Prince album twice and I love him for that and and around the world in a day definitely is not Purple Rain Part Two, um at least on the surface. And I always admired Prince for that and still do to this day. So yeah, it's one of my favorites. I just love the uh the psychedelic imagery and the the color schemes and everything associated with the album the out the artwork the fonts um that are used on the album you know it's just it's just its own unique vibe and i just love that album and it holds a dear place in my heart so yeah uh, a super deluxe edition for around the world in a day would be really nice or maybe just a two or three disc edition with all the seven and 12 inch edits because I like Richard. I, you know, back in the day, he said he got more into the, the twelve-inch extended versions, right? And I've I've done that in recent years. I've I've done an album sequence where I swap out the the album versions for the extended versions, and I throw it in the B sides on mm -hmm. the same playlist. So it's like a literally an extended version of the album of the proper album and that's how i i tend to listen to it now so yeah great great iconic album and yeah it's definitely its own vibe 
mm-hmm. for sure to it. But yeah, a lot of great memories with that record. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember being part of a group where, you know, just kind of explaining, you know, how in some ways it was really nothing new under the sun, but it was right. just that what Prince was putting, you know, he was putting himself into it. So there was a right. point where I played, you know, a track from Around the World in the Day, and then I would play a track from Sgt. Pepper just to show the similarities yeah. to it. Because, you know, like Pop Life kind of reminded me of Lovely Rita, maybe to an extent, yep. maybe later on Instant Karma or something like that, because just with the piano yep. and everything, it, you know, it just had that vibe. Yep. Like you had Around the World in the Day. And I played Within You, Without You, because it had the, you know, kind of the Hindu music influence. Yep. It had that influence yep. in it. Yep. Yeah. And it's just that, yeah, you know, there, that difference between, you know, influence and, you know, outright stealing. And it was just like, no, you know, Prince didn't just, he didn't copy the Beatles. It was just that. That was well, he says it wasn't the influence, but again, you know, you play those records back to back, it's there, but it's what yeah. he did with it. Like, yeah, he put yeah. he put he put the print spin on the Beatles flavor, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, he put the he put the chili sauce on it, <laughs> right? Right, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, again, state if you're listening, you know. Now that would be funny if they would just come out of left field and that's the first thing that they would release. Yeah. You know, re- it's, really release it like Prince did the, the original album with very little promotion whatsoever. Just drop it on us. And you know that a lot of well, not a lot of people, but if you notice like with uh Janet with the Velvet Rope, there was no advance warning that was coming out and i don't even know if there's any physical media it was just like okay it's going to be on your streaming services and it was like within a week like i think it was like announced maybe on a monday and then it dropped that last friday on the 7th i would love the uh the prince estate to do you know a similar approach to that with releases going forward because it would be in the same spirit of the sort of hit and run style yeah. uh you know releases the prince would do later in his career where he'd drop a 30 second snippet of a new track on his twitter account at, at 3 a.m mm. in the morning and i was a night owl at that time my sleep schedule was completely turned upside down so i would be awake mm. and online at three in the morning and here would Come Prince, you know, with the Twitter account, dropping a 30-second snippet of Free Yourself or, of, I'm sorry, Stare, the track oh, Stare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he dropped that at 3 in the morning one morning on Twitter, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. You know, it's, it's really, it gets your adrenaline going and gets you excited for the, you know, the next new thing that's coming up. So that would be a wonderful approach if the estate would adopt that going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. Now, of course, some things though, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I need my Amazon pre-order that gives me time to save up the 
the purple croutons, but yeah, but I would say, yeah, some things should, should be a surprise. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's around the world in a day. And then we'll move on to the final segment of the show, which is our spotlight. And again, that's, uh, you know, whether it's an associated artist or another uh, project or sometimes even a release that hasn't been released that should be. Um, and this week, this is something that at least we do have a physical vinyl. We have a physical CD for, and that's musicology. But I would want a Blu-ray of either the you know opening night at the Staples Center of the tour or the Detroit show on a Blu-ray. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because for the, you know for listeners not familiar with that particular era of Prince, um Prince wasn't really silent, but to the mainstream, this was like a comeback. You know, he was doing interviews. Um, the tour consisted of a lot of, you know, the hits. Um, you know, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that same year. Uh, he was on the Grammys. And that was kind of like the first, you know, time, you know, the mainstream had really seen him in a long time was that Grammy performance with uh, with uh, Beyonce. But, you know, then the next month after that was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction and then the month after that was the kickoff of the tour the release of the musicology album um you know the uh mpg music club was in full swing that uh especially that year <laughs> uh with the preferred seating i remember getting uh the tickets for like 75 bucks ended up in the second row <laughs> i mean it was you know that was that was amazing. The tour was amazing. I also went to the uh, simulcast uh, with that Staples Center. I uh, went to one of the Regal Theaters to go see that because that was a month before the tour. Actually, or was it? Was it the? No, it wasn't a month before the tour. It wasn't. It wasn't long before the tour. But that opening night at the Staples Center, and then that was simulcast in all the movie theaters across the country. Um. Yeah, but it was at the Regal, and I saw that, and actually that show and the concert got the free musicology CD, you know, kind of with the little cardboard cover. It didn't have the booklet, but hey, I still dropped my purple croutons when the you know CD was actually in the stores, and you got the booklet with that and everything. So, I mean, that was you know probably ranks up with anything from you know, the eighties or even the nineties at that point is like kind of one of the most magical, you know, Prince eras, just because it, it felt like, you know, he had overcome a lot, you know, he was making deals on his own terms, um, you know, with major labels, you know, he was maybe still fighting for his Warner brothers masters, but when it came to doing a distribution deal with a major label, held on to that, changed the game with the CD being part, you know, built into the ticket price. 
you know, to where, you know, the industry got mad and shut that down. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, and the, the, like I said, the tour was just amazing. And like I said, I've seen that Staples Center at the theater and I also have a copy of the DVD, but it should be released officially. <laughs> yeah. And even clips I've seen of the Detroit show. I know we always default to Detroit because I think he put where he gave 110% just on a normal day. Detroit, it would be a thousand percent every time, you know, because that was the first city that embraced Prince, you know, from for you and even the second album they were the first city to really catch on you know before any of us that oh this dude prince okay he's yeah he's funky okay he's got it <laughs> yeah so yeah i would say in this case yeah so i would like to see a whether it's a standalone blu-ray of either staples center detroit show it could be any music college you know the best of the best and don't forget, there's also, in connection with that, there's also the unreleased documentary that was supposed to officially come out but never did called Life of the Party. Oh, which yeah. Was sort, sort of a behind the scenes of the Musicology Tour. That would be great to see an official release as well, maybe bundled with one of those shows, either the Detroit show or the Staples Center show. Yeah. And, you know, and there are artists that have uh, Blu-ray releases where, yeah, they it does come with like a documentary or it's bundled with a documentary yep. as well. So, yeah, I think that would be a great, great idea. I've only seen like little clips of that. I don't, is the whole thing in circulation? Yes, the, the whole thing uh, is in circulation. Yeah. Amongst the collectors. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's, there's no bootlegs here, right? <laughs> right? But yeah, so yeah, that'd be a good idea. But you said the whole you said the whole thing is out. Yeah. Available. Okay. Yep. Yeah, like I said, I've only seen like little bits and pieces of actually. I've only seen little bits and pieces as well. I've never sat down and really watched the whole thing straight through, but it is out there. Yeah, I've seen uh, there's a clip there backstage, and it, it's kind of like a, you know, if it was unfolding in real time, you know, it would be a leak of black sweat. Yeah. Because he's, you know, clowning around backstage, but he's yep. clowning around singing the lyrics to black sweat yep and that and then of course the the tragic footage of you know where they were in um i think it was new orleans uh for the essence festival and it was just off of when john blackwell's daughter oh wow yeah because wow. uh, i i remember i was um because like i said i'd seen the musicology show here in St. Louis and about maybe that next month or so he was due to be in Chicago and I went with a bunch of people to go to that show and you know we got there like maybe a couple of hours before the show was supposed to start and as we were on our way 
because like where we were all staying, it wasn't that far from the arena. And as we were walking to the arena, you know, we started seeing people walking back. And we're like, well, why are people leaving? And we found out that the show had been canceled in Chicago because of because of the tragedy. Right. There. And I think by the time they decided to, you know, re regroup and, you know, after they given John Blackwell time to, you know, kind of mourn and grieve, then they started to do the show uh, Essence Festival. And then to cheer him up, you know, they wore these like costumes and stuff. Prince was in disguise. So that footage that, yes, I've seen that footage of it. Where he's kind of, I think he was on the roller skates. Around he had the wig and the the beard. (laughs) Yeah. Fake beard. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that that would be a good, yeah, that would be good to bundle with that. Maybe some of that'll turn up in that Netflix documentary. Probably. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. And then of course that would lead to doing, you know, releasing that full documentary. And right. like I said, maybe releasing a an actual musicology tour. Right. Um, you know, DVD, Blu-ray. Or you know, for 2024 will be the 20th anniversary. So maybe at Paisley Park plans on doing a celebration, maybe they could take a musicology show and do one of the prints live on stage um, presentations that they've done, you know, in previous celebrations, maybe they could do it for a musicology show in, mm-hmm. in honor of the 20th anniversary. So just an idea. <laughs> if the estate wants to hire me to consult on <laughs> things like this, I'd be happy. I work for peanuts. Just give me, give me free music and swag. That's all I need. I don't need money. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, just you know, give us something to review. You know, exactly. You know, you will have our unbiased opinion. <laughs> if exactly. it's good, if it's good, we'll celebrate it. But if it's like, nah, y'all need to come out with something a little bit better next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember the musicology era, and I was so happy and so thrilled because like you said it was sort of prince's rebirth in the mainstream after you know those down years in the in the mid 90s when he was the the symbol and everybody thought he was crazy for changes in name to Mm -hmm. a symbol and going to war with warner brothers and kind of fell out of public favor over that but 2004 was like his rebirth or reintroduction to the mainstream and i was so happy to see that and i remember i remember seeing prince and the band perform the title track on the tonight show Mm -hmm. with jay leno and he he announced the tour and my very first concert in my entire life was the previous tour the one night alone tour and uh so when he announced the musicology tour i was really excited to potentially go and see that tour but unfortunately i never got to got to see any of the shows on that tour but yeah tremendous tour like you said a very very healthy focus on the hits and just a a celebration of not only his return to the mainstream i but also i would say 
was the beginning of his emergence as sort of an elder state elder statesman of rock and roll. You know, he mm. he sort of cemented his status as as an elder statement of statesman of rock and roll with his introduction into the Hall of Fame and all that the same year. So yeah, very very memorable times in that era. And uh I like the album. I slightly prefer the next album, 3121, to the Musicology mm-hmm. album, but I liked I like a lot of the tracks on Musicology. And I just remember I thought it was so cool that you know his strategy of of giving away the album you know as part of the ticket price for the live show i thought that was such a cool way to introduce people to the album at the time and another example of prince's you know innovative spirit and his forward thinking in terms of you know finding alternate ways to distribute music and get music to the fans Mm. I just thought it was a really cool thing to do um, to get the music out there yeah, in that yeah. way. Yeah, and that was an idea he had, you know, back in the 90s, you know, 94. Yeah. Um, that Vibe magazine article, uh, he talks about that. And I think a lot of interviews in that period, a um, couple of them, I remember him mentioning that, like, well, what if we build it into the ticket price? You know, what if there was something, you know, underneath the seats when you got there or something? So, yeah, that's, you yeah. Know, so it was good to see, you know, fast forward 10 years later to see him actually get to do that. And yeah, you know, for people that were like, oh, he's crazy for changing his name. Just, you know, those, everything about 2004 put an end to all of that to where, yeah. you know, now, you know, we understand what that was about. And to see him slowly over the years, you know, benefit from the, you know, from winning that battle. Right. You know, sad he couldn't enjoy the master tapes, you know, as far as the Warner Brothers stuff, you know, he only had them two years at that point. But everything else, as far as, like I said, everything like, like musicology, you know, to go to a Sony and say, hey, you know, distribute this, but I own the master for it. Right. You know, then the, the next what, year, couple of years, um, 3121, to go to Universal and say, hey, you know, distribute this album, but I keep the master. Thereby, you know, he kept the lion's share of the profits. Right. And, right. you know, and both of those albums were, you know, on the charts, you know, back at the top of the charts. Yeah. And I just remember I I've been I watched the uh slave trade documentary again recently about his battle with Warners in the nineties and one of the one of the guys they interviewed, I can't remember who he was or who he worked for, but he said it was so cool how Prince was so far ahead of ahead of his time in terms of predict predicting the trajectory of the music business and how how you know releasing music would would play out you know in in you know 
years years ahead of what Prince was already seeing in his mind's eye, you know. So just thinking in terms of Prince as a as a person, as a businessman with tremendous foresight into all those areas of how to distribute music. And then towards the end of his life, he was getting into, you know, peer-to-peer, um, you know, distribution of his music where mm-hmm. letting letting fans themselves distribute his physical media. And uh, he just had so much foresight and so much uh, innate knowledge of where the the music industry was going mm-hmm. and where it was headed. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's mind blowing and fascinating to think about for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like I said, don't forget the MPG music club. It had been around for a few years before that. Yes. And, you know, um, at that time, I didn't have like my own computer, so I missed a lot of that. Um, a lot of the music, the audio shows, and a lot of the tracks that were released, uh, especially like one song, I missed out on that, and that's one of my favorite um, Prince tracks. Period. Yes. Yeah that that needs to see some kind of physical release or even digital. You know, bring it back on digital. Um, I don't but- know. I don't know if you know this, Richard, but I did a, I did a whole entire podcast with Mr. C. Lee McGinnis on one song. So I don't know if you saw that or not, but yeah, okay, check it out. Yeah, but yeah, okay. it's, it's one of those releases that, for a lot of people, you know, flew under the radar, and it's kind of uh, been forgotten about if it was known about in the first place, which not a lot of people know about it as far as i'm as far as i know but yeah it's one of those tracks that definitely needs to be experienced yeah 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 that's a it's an amazing track you know some of you guys out there might have heard it but um i think it it might be circulating somewhere but if you can find it definitely check that out yeah that definitely deserves to see the light of day um, it's but... a, it's a, it's on YouTube the the uh, the Prince Online Museum website has a YouTube channel and it's on their YouTube channel. So oh wow okay yeah nice and was it because um, was there a video to that of like maybe like uh, a lyric like it was like a lyric video yes yes yeah. there is actually See, Prince... that, that's actually the video that is on YouTube it's the lyric video. Okay. It was on there was on Prince's website on New Year's Day of 2000. Yeah, see so, Prince invents the lyric video. See, again another example of him being ahead of his time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I was uh, with the MPG Music Club uh by the time I jumped on. It was like shortly before the pre-sale for the tickets for the musicology tour, but I mean, you know, again you had all this stuff going on. And on top of that, I mean, he dropped like what, seven albums <laughs> on the MPG music club. Yeah. Was that that same? I think it was at the same week. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I was okay. I got to get this one too. I don't know how much I spent on those, but I think I got them a slaughterhouse chocolate invasion one night alone. I think I got them all. (laughs) Yeah, I remember I didn't have a computer the first year of MPG Music Club, but I hopped on in the second year and I actually got tickets to the one night alone tour and was able to attend the the sound check in Seattle, Washington on the one night alone tour because of the MPG Music Club. So that was a really great, blessed time to be a Prince fan in the MPG Music Mm -hmm. Club era. And (laughs) that's probably my number one thing on the very tip top of my wish list is for the MPG Music Club to be resurrected as a platform. Mm -hmm. Because although we can't get, you know, thing like, Things like you know, um, seating, premium seating for concerts anymore. It could still be a be an avenue to distribute, like we were saying, the you know, um, studio tracks and live tracks and mm-hmm. videos and all kinds of content that the people in the fan community, myself and Richard included, I'm sure are all clamoring for oh yeah yeah i would definitely support it and you know if they do continue say celebration you know i know those those tickets can be pretty pricey but maybe they might build something to where okay you know you join the mpg music club then you know might get a little break on tickets to celebration or yes you know or some of the events surrounding celebration yes yeah that'd be a good idea and i'm 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 lucky in that respect because i live in in minnesota about an hour and a half away from minneapolis so okay i'm 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 a bit luckier than most in that respect but yeah that would be that would be great to do do tie-ins with celebration and and local events in minneapolis and even events in larger cities like the, the uh, you know, Prince, the experience in um, Chicago right now, the exhibit, uh, it would be nice to have discounts for things like that. Um, mm. The immersive experience. Yeah. Um, which uh, I'm having issues with my handicapped van right now, so. Unfortunately, I can't take a big road trip to Chicago, so yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it'll eventually come to Minneapolis or somewhere near Minneapolis. But uh, yeah, um, you know, discounts on on things like that would be definitely you know good things to offer mm-hmm. in conjunction with the the music and live videos and things like that. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, the MPG Music Club, it needs to come back. That's yeah. number one. That's number one on my on my list of of wishes and priorities for the estate. Um get a get an online distribution uh model out there so we can have uh freer access to the vault. And I'm not saying I want everything all at once because I don't wanna exhaust the bulk. <laughs> right. Know? 
but just, uh, you know, give us a little bit of time and we'll be happy. So, uh, that's all I'll say about that. Oh yeah. Yep. So, all right, listeners, you know, send your cards and your letters, you know, write your, write your congressman, write your senator, tell them we want the (laughs) MPG music club. We want it back. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, bring it back to Return of the Bump Squad, right? Yep, there you go. <laughs> oh, that's the track there too. <laughs> yeah, that that need well, yeah, that needs to be re-released too. Yes, it does. Yeah. All the all the side projects and all the protege albums, they need to be remastered and re-released, but we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's probably 10 20 years down the road of course now that i now that i say that they'll surprise us and release ice cream castles in two years so <laughs> i hope so yeah might happen. Uh, to yeah to to kind of bring it all back to bring it all back home yep you know um 2024 yeah i would like yeah purple rain you know get it super deluxe you know, reissue the original album, CD. And yeah, um, I was thinking about, you know, a couple of episodes before where, again, you know, the time, you know, the previous regime of the estate, you know, blocked Morris Day from using that. Thereby, you know, we didn't get a chance to get what time is it on its anniversary and, you know, Vanity Six on its anniversary. And I figure, you know, now with this, you know, the family and primary wave involved, hopefully they can fix that and settle that. Yeah, probably the first thing they'll do now at this stage. Yeah, release Ice Cream Castles along with Purple Rain and Apollonia 6 and do that. And then maybe the next year, then, you know, what time is it? Then Vanity 6. Yeah. With that so yeah. I, I hope so definitely hope yeah, so they're, they're really uh, there's really a prime opportunity to make 2024 a huge year in the history of Prince Prince uh, releases and Prince fandom so I'm, I'm really hoping the powers that be for the new regime at the estate are listening to us and people like us who really want to make this a uh, a landmark year in Prince history, so mm-hmm. um, because it would be it would be a shame not to capitalize it because it's right there, mm-hmm. you know, it's right in front of their noses. So it's a prime opportunity to do something. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Listen, listen to the fans. You know, we'll we'll be there to support it. And, you know, and a lot of us we have diverse tastes in things and that's fine um but i think collectively we agree you know whatever it is the estate puts out you know it should be with you know careful thought you know emphasis on the quality of it and we like i said regardless of what it is we'll be there a lot of us like i said we've had a lot of decades unfold in real time so it's not just being stuck in the 80s or whatever it's you know like that's where we all grew up you know whether we were five at the time or 
college or high school, whatever, you know, it's, yeah. 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 That was, that was our, you know, launching point and everything that has come since it's always been interesting, always been a surprise. So yeah, definitely. Whatever they decide to put out, we'll be there to support it as long as it's good. Yeah. As long as the quality is there, we'll be there with our purple croutons. Yep. Uh, all right. And that's going to end this episode of Amari Purple Talk. I'd like to thank Chris Johnson for being on the show. Uh, Chris, tell us where we can find you on social media and find the Purple Nights podcast. Well, my, my personal Twitter page is a little complicated to explain, but I'll try to explain it. It's um, Art Official Age. But the O in official is a zero. So it's okay. artificial age with the O is a zero on Twitter. And then you can find the Purple Nights podcast on Twitter at PK Podcast. So and you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Cool. In other words your favorite podcast platform. And of course there'll be links in the show notes as well. So yeah, if they want to find you on Twitter, then it'd be make it a little bit easier yeah. for them to find. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Like I said, thanks for being on the show. It's a long, t- long time coming, but it won't take that long to do it the next time. Sounds good, man. I'll have to have you on, uh, Purple Nights again, too, in the near future. Okay. Yeah, just just let me know. Just, yeah. Yeah, just send, send the Amari signal, and <laughs> okay. I'll be there. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Yep. So, until then, Purple listeners, create your day and create your life. Peace. Peace and be wild, everybody. Yes. <laughs>